four things that impacted my life this week. We had ministers meeting, and uh, I was asked to give a sermon on the founding vision of Maranatha Bible School, which prompted me to delve back into the early history of Maranatha and and um, early minutes and etc. And as I contemplated that, as I looked at that, as I uh, thought about those who have paved the way for Maranatha and how easy it is for me to just walk through those doors and well, just Maranatha always was, as far as I was concerned. Uh, it was in existence, and it was working uh, I'm not sure that I could say before our congregation joined Midwest. I'm not sure about that. Yeah, probably so before our congregation in Ohio was part of Midwest, uh, Maranatha Bible School was always functioning. And, of course, the first time I was ever there was a 1981 minister's meeting. Walked through those doors. Probably as scared and fearful as any student has ever walked through. And uh, I, I remember that very distinctly. But as I contemplated that, as I thought about that, I thought about the people who started that, um, the people with the original vision of, of a Bible school and how they was, del- uh, they was jumping into something. I'm not sure they understand completely what all the ramifications were. I mean, it's one thing to send your children to Bible school somewhere or something else to start one up and make it happen. And I was just so challenged by, by, uh, by people who had a vision that was not going to necessarily make their life easier. Like they were delving into something that was going to take them that's going to cost them a whole pile of sacrifice, a whole pile of commitment, a whole pile of money, a whole pile of everything. And it was, and it was put there primarily for the benefit of somebody else. And, and as I contemplated, as I thought about that, and I thought about what it took and what, how they did so much with so little at first. It's, it's incredible. But because of their commitment, because of their vision, because of the posterity, the uh, future of the church, and the spiritual benefit of everybody else, like, we're going to do this thing to the glory of God. And I mean, I, I was so... I was so... I was so challenged. Um, how much am I willing to sacrifice primarily for the benefit of, of, of 
of another person. You know, sometimes we get caught up and say, well, you know, yeah, I'm willing to do something if I'm going to get something out of it, you know, and, and, and that type of thing. And, and how much vision do I have? You know, it's just easy to sit around. It's easy to accept the status quo. It's ex easy to just play down and do nothing. It's easy to do that. If I see a need, am I willing to, I use the term, knock myself out to meet that need? And commit to it long term. I, I, was, I, was, I was so challenged and I was, I, I would just, yeah. Second thing that impacted my life was well, a lot of things at, at, at the ministers meeting, but one, one really stuck out to me. Uh, Brother Laverne Hirschberger from Ohio had devotionals every, pretty much every service on lessons from nature. Turned me to Psalm one, and one of them was about trees. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. That person who had just been described is like a tree. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper." nice tree gives forth fruit absorbs water provides shade and all those things this is how I viewed that tree <clears throat> but Laverne said that our lives should be like a tree that absorbs carbon dioxide and breathes out oxygen Wow. Does my life absorb carbon dioxide and breathe out oxygen? And I thought about what it takes to be a Christian. I thought about what it takes to be victorious. I thought about all the things that maybe we have to absorb, we call absorb in our life. Can I do that and still breathe out oxygen?
because it says uh, his leaf shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper so this is part of being healthy it's all part of being successful for God and I thought about Joseph and I thought about all the things that Joseph absorbed he absorbed hatred he absorbed slavery lying, false accusation imprisonment and all those things that, that Joseph absorbed in every situation he breathed out life giving oxygen Inside of Joseph, there was something working, a conversion process that absorbed all the hurt. He breathed out the oxygen of integrity. He breathed out the oxygen of faithfulness and forgiveness in every situation. His brothers, he's in jail, all those things. He just absorbed and absorbed and absorbed. He just gave out oxygen. Life-giving oxygen to the people around him. I thought about the, the publican that was praying and <clears throat> here comes a super-religious Pharisee breathing out bigotry. Looking down Republican absorbed the bigotry. And he breathed out the oxygen of humility and repentance when he said, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And I think of Jesus washing feet. And we say, well, he just washed the feet. No, he didn't just wash feet. He washed feet knowing that one of those men were going to betray him. He washed feet knowing that one of them was going to deny him. And he washed feet knowing that the other ten was going to abandon him. And he absorbed all that. He absorbed all that. And he breathed out the oxygen of love and compassion to those disciples. He was scourged, he was mocked, he was nailed to the cross, and he breathed out the oxygen of forgiveness, love, not only to those, but to every single person here this morning. Oxygen, the sustainer of life. Carbon dioxide, what's left over. Can I allow God to use me as a converter of wrong, evil, impact the world 
for Jesus Christ with life? Or do I store it up? Come to me and I store it up. And I store it up. And I store it up. And after a while, it just starts spilling over. Destroying everything good and everybody around me. Because of the hatred and the bitterness that I will not allow God to change because of my carnality. Can I allow God to flush it out? Third thing that impacted my life, Brother Dwayne Eby was uh, preaching and he was talking about we as conservative Mennonites and what our goals are and what we're trying to accomplish, etc. And he said we like to be Conservative Mennonites. Okay, so we don't want to fall on the, off on the left side of legalism, and our rule book just gets stacked thicker and thicker and thicker. Every event that comes along, again, make another rule, add to the rule book, and and you have this big thick rule book. We don't want to go there. Nor, on the other hand, do we want to lose our separation from world, from the from the world by abandoning truth and righteousness and uh, we want to be biblically conservative. So, so, so how are we going to do that? How do we keep from having the rule book get thicker and thicker or just let things go and kind of just go with the flow and whatever happens, happens and eventually lose what our forefathers died for what the Bible teaches you've seen them both I've seen them both we don't want that so the question facing us today is how 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 what what's what's what what, what can we do to keep that from happening And he challenged me, and I hope that I can challenge you this morning. His answer to that was, the only way, the only way that that can possibly happen, that every single person in your congregation, including you as a pastor, must have a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only way it will happen. And if it goes one way with the big thick book, or if it goes the other way, where nothing really matters anymore is always the evidence of carnality in a congregation. Now that's putting it on the line. But you know what? I have to agree with them.
I don't know what other option to say. I think he hit the nail right on the head. And that was a tremendous challenge to me. Where am I as a pastor? He said, big rule books or worldliness is always a result of carnality. Folks, that got me thinking. You know, we can choose. I can choose. You know what? I can't ride on somebody else's commitment to Jesus Christ. If I do, I'm pushing toward one side or the other. is a big one. I learned this week again anew that every single person has an appointment with God. I was standing in the office when Wendell received the call. He hung up the phone said Tyler Troyer was killed tonight I stood absolutely shocked I I didn't move I think for probably two minutes trying to absorb that information trying to process it he said at the funeral maybe you watched it I didn't catch everything, but basically, Travis came. I mean, uh, Tyler came home from work and tried to get the tractor to go, and it wouldn't go. And so he called his dad, and the dad said, "Well, use the push bu- push blower." And he couldn't get the push blower, and there was another phone call, and that process of of losing time, and he. Cleaned the whole driveway, had about this much left, which would have been his last trip back up. Back toward the vehicle that struck him. You can't chalk it up for anything except at a particular moment on a particular day Tyler at his appointment with God now think about that Tyler couldn't change that by one second not one second never saw it coming couldn't have had had his back turned toward it Some people meet their appointment with God before they're born. Some people meet their appointment with God after many, many years. Some young, some old. Talking to Ryan on the phone, he said, Dad, 
seemed like life is like a piece of glass. So easily shattered. It's here and then it's gone. The Bible described as a vapor, like the tea kettle on your stove. It comes out, it's visible. It gets about that far, it disappears. It says it's like a piece of glass, I mean, a, a blade of grass. says it's like a flower. See, some have a warning. And if you're old and old and old and your health just keeps deteriorating, you still can't change when that second's going to be. Uh, some have warnings. Some, like Tyler, have no warning at all. And I'm thinking, like, what's this sermon supposed to accomplish? I, I like random thoughts here and there. It seems so disconnected. But I thought about that. Like the Maranatha, do I have a vision for God? Is my life God oriented? Is my life service oriented? Do I care about people around me? Am I willing to, can I breathe out life-giving oxygen to an imperfect world, and yes, even an imperfect church? Can I do that? Will I allow the power of God within me to transform all those hurts, all those evils? Whatever we face in life, out there, in here, whatever. Am I providing stability for the congregation God has placed me in by having a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ? Am I doing it? Or am I dis destabilizing it, pushing it? toward the big book or toward the world by my casual view of God what he wants for me do I walk every day realizing the frailty of life and am I always ready to meet God you see Jesus did I believe Tyler did. Can you and I?